Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Faith has incredible benefits. God's desire is to show himself strong to those who believe and trust in him. When faith is present, we will see God move, work, and bless his people. part one of Cheryl's message titled, Four Aspects of Faith. I want to talk to you about four aspects of faith. In 2 Chronicles 16.9, this has got to be one of my favorite scriptures. It says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is faithful to him. Oh, what incredible benefits. What incredible joy comes to us through faith. Just think about it for a second. God is searching the earth, and the quality he is looking for is faith. And when he finds faith, he can bless, because God's desire is to bless, to show himself strong on those who will believe in him, trust him, and entrust to him. And he does this through the venue of faith. Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 1 tells us, I love it because, you know, chapter 11 is bankruptcy. So when we're bankrupt, right? That's when faith comes in, right? Verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. In other words, faith has substance and certainty because it grabs onto heaven and the benefits that belong to Jesus and it puts it on our account. Faith is evidential, although it's invisible. In Luke 18, we learn four different aspects of faith. The activity of faith, those accepted by faith, the awards of faith, and the attainment of faith. I want you to know I tried to make it all cues, but I wasn't quick enough. Ha ha. It just didn't work for me. It was too cute. And it just didn't work. And so it was like three days ago, I was like, no, I can do A's. You know, I love alliteration because it helps me to remember. But anyway, here it is. The activity of faith. So in Luke 18, verses 1 through 8, we learn that faith perseveres in prayer. This is the activity. Those of faith persevere in prayer. Jesus tells a parable, and I love how Luke tells us from the beginning the lesson we're going to learn. I don't know about you because, you know, people go, look at this picture. And I'm like, what am I looking for? 
What am I supposed to see in this picture? Brian does all the time, like, look at this, okay? And I am seeing what? But when you tell me what to look for, I can zero in on it. And that's what Luke tells you. As Jesus is about to give this parable, Luke says, this parable, here's the lesson. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. There is to be a persevering in prayer rather than a fainting or a discouragement or a losing of the heart. Losing the heart could be identified as giving up or resignation, like, okay, it's always going to be like this. It's going to be oppressive. Trying another judge. Going someplace else. Lord, because you're saying no, I'm going to look for alternatives. In fact, I was talking to some friends, and we were talking the other day about how that when, when God says no, we kind of go, well, then I'll do it myself. If you're not going to do this for me, God, I guess I'll have to do it for myself. Isn't that how we operate so often? But you see, faith doesn't try an alternative. Faith keeps going to the great judge. It doesn't scheme, and it doesn't try to merit. So Jesus tells a story about an unjust judge, and he tells us two things about this judge. First of all, he's unjust. He's amoral. He doesn't have a code of ethics that he lives by. Secondly, he doesn't respect God or men. He doesn't answer to anybody. So he doesn't live by a code of ethics that he answers to, and he doesn't answer to God or to men. So he, he has no premise on which to judge righteously this woman's cause. So he's an unjust judge, but there's this widow. Now, this widow has three strikes against her. One, she's a woman, and women weren't given any credibility in court. So she's a woman. So she has no rights uh, during the time of Jesus. Secondly, she's a widow, which means she doesn't have an advocate. She doesn't have a husband to stand up for her, defend her, or to get her rights accomplished. And thirdly, she's got an adversary. She's got an enemy. She's in dire circumstances. And she comes to this unjust judge, And she begins to nag him. That's it. She persists. She's there. Every time he turns around, there's that widow woman just saying, give me justice from my adversary. Avenge me. Look out for me. Help me. And this judge says to himself, oh, though I don't care about God and I don't care about man, I am sick to death of seeing this woman every place I go. And lest she just wears me out by her continual coming, I'm going to bring down a verdict on her behalf so she'll leave me alone. Now, this is what's called an argument from the lesser to the greater. And Jesus is pointing out, if an unjust judge who doesn't answer to righteousness, to any law, doesn't answer to God, doesn't answer to any man, doesn't have anyone over him, will do this for this widow because of her continual coming. How much more your good God, the great God, will avenge his own elect, though it seems to be a long time coming. 
That's what it means. Though he bear with them long. Though it seems like it's long in coming. During this, this time where it seems like nothing in the heavens is shaking. You ever have times like that? You're praying, you're praying. Sometimes it seems to get worse, the situation, doesn't it? Like, Lord, why am I praying if you're going to make it worse? But you're, you're praying and it seems like nothing is happening, but God is at work. And that's what Jesus says. Will not God avenge his own? Though he bears long with them, though it seems like it's a long time, what are we to do in that long time, in that waiting time? We are to pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray incessantly. I, I like to think of it this way. Open up a continual dialogue with God. Just begin to talk to him all the time. You know, I love cell phones now because when I'm talking to God in my car, people think I'm just on the phone. <laughs> my lips are moving. I like to pray out loud because you know, not only am I praying, but I'm processing as I'm praying, and God is ministering to me as I'm praying and out loud. Because, you know, sometimes I don't even know what I'm feeling until I start praying. I don't know what that emotion is going on. I, have you ever had that where you just don't feel quite at peace or at rest? You're like, why am I feeling uneasy? What's going on? Lord, will you explain me to me? That's part of my conversation in the car. I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel like I'm on edge. Is there something in the spiritual world that I'm feeling? Or did I just have a bad tamale? Lord, tell me what's going on with me. But that's what happens. Prayer perseveres. And then Jesus says that God will avenge them speedily or suddenly it'll just happen. The answer will come down suddenly. And it's over. You know, there are situations that take time, take time, take time. And then the answer comes, boom. And that situation's over. In Psalm 37, it, it talks about how fret not thyself because of evildoers, because of him who prospers in the way. And then it says, you know, it seems at times that they're spread out like a native green tree. But all of a sudden they're gone. And you look for them and you can't even see the spot where they're at. You're like, wait, I know I had a bad situation a month ago, but it's so obliterated because God has worked. And that's what Jesus is saying. God will do this sudden work unexpectedly when you least expect it. Sometimes out of a totally unexpected place, God moves and it's just God. Then Jesus throws out the, the challenge but when the Son of Man returns, there's a guarantee he's coming back. Will he find faith on the earth? When God promises to work, when we've got the guarantee that as we persevere in prayer, God will work, will we do the very thing? Prayer and persevere in prayer, which is the activity of faith. Now, Secondly, Luke 18, 9 through 14, we learn that faith appeals to God because of his mercy and not because of personal merit. Jesus told another parable, and this was about two men who came into the temple to pray. 
The first was a Pharisee, a self-righteous man. And this is what he did. He felt superior to other men. So he prayed and said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not an extortioner. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not like this tax collector. In other words, there's this comparison. And he says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. You see, faith does not come in its own merit to God. There are times we as women, oh, if we've read our Bible, we haven't watched television, we haven't read those magazines, we haven't had sugar or a donut, we've been like so good, we feel so spiritually powerful. Like, what mountain do you want moved? I've been good today. I got the power today because I've been so good. And I prayed. But then there are days, do you ever wake up just condemned? Ever had those dreams that totally condemn you? Like you wake up and go, wait, did I steal from my neighbor or not? (laughs) And you wake up with just that condemnation. And you want to pray and it's in your heart. You want to have your personal devotions, but the day gets so busy. Things just crowd in and there's, there's this and that. And then you realize you ran a red light because you're talking about someone and you shouldn't be. You know, all that stuff is going on. You used your cell phone in your car while you were driving. I know who you are. You cut somebody off and you're like, sorry. And they're like, I hate you. I want you dead. Do you know those condemning days? Those days where you just feel unworthy and you go to pray and the devil goes, you? You? You think God likes you? You think God's listening? And you have, you have nothing in yourself to say, God, could you listen to me? Because I own a Bible. I prayed yesterday. You have nothing. But you see, it's in those times that you have everything. Because you are appealing to God on the merits of Jesus Christ. On what he's done for you. What he's accomplished. You see, faith is never about my personal merits, what I've earned, what I've done right. It's always on what Jesus Christ has done right. I'm getting ahead of myself because this is my fourth point. Like my big four. This is the little Two point. So faith, faith comes to Jesus. Faith comes to God on the basis of mercy, not personal merit. Now there's a tax collector and he beats his breast because he knows he has no right to appeal to God. There's nothing that he's done right. He's stolen from people. He's exacted too much. He's an outcast from his own people. He's considered a friend of Rome. In fact, we're told that he couldn't even look up to heaven. Those of you who are parents, I had. He used to be little. Now he's bigger than me. But my son, Char, I remember I could always tell when he had done something naughty because he couldn't look at me. Braden, the same way. My, my two boys. I love it. Such a big guilt complex that if they had been naughty, they could not look at me. 
You'd be like, Char, how you doing? Fine. So, anything happened at school? <laughs> school? <laughs> no, school, no way. <laughs> okay, what'd you do at school? Should I call the teacher? No, Mom, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put itching powder down Jamie's back. It just kind of happened. There was itching powder. There was Jamie. That actually happened. So, but I just remembered he could not look at me. You know, that's what guilt does. And this man felt like I can't even look, look to heaven because I'm not, I'm so unworthy, but have mercy on me, God. Have mercy. And Jesus said, this tax collector went away justified. Justified. What is justified? It means he went away qualified. Qualified to be heard by God. Qualified to receive mercy. So the activity of faith appeals to God on the basis of God's mercy. He knew that he was a sinner, and that word is harmatia. He knew that he missed the mark. This is the basis of faith. Lord, I've missed the mark. I can't make the mark, even on my best days, when I'm really, really good, even with my best gifts and my best goodness, I cannot merit your grace. I cannot earn your mercy, your compassion, your goodness, your kindness. It is always on the basis of what Jesus has done for me. Now, thirdly, and this is the little three of the first one. So we're still on the activity of faith, right? So the activity of faith. Now, this one I absolutely love, Luke 18, 15 through 17. What's the activity of faith? The activity of faith is to do everything you can to get in the arms of Jesus. Like these little children who just ran up to Jesus and were climbing all over him. I think that the disciples probably thought, no, we should have more respect for Jesus. Children are to be seen and not heard. And Jesus is saying, don't you dare forbid these children. I love um, this story in Mark because it tells us that Jesus rebuked his disciples. In fact, it tells us that Jesus was angry with his disciples. This is the only time that you find Jesus angry with his disciples. The only time. When was it? When they try to keep the children away from him. He said, let. And, and that word let is in the Greek, always let. Always allow the children to come unto me. Never, no, never, never, never forbid the children from coming to me. For this is what the kingdom of God consists of and is all about. At another time, when Jesus was with the disciples and they were arguing about who was the greatest, we're told that Jesus took a child and put him in the very midst of the disciples and said, this one's the greatest. This one. And he says, and whoever receives one of these little ones in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Oh, children are of such great value. But look at these children. They're brash and bold. You see, faith, the activity of faith, 
is brash and bold to get to Jesus. Don't you love the way children, like they get to places that an adult would never go? You know, they squirm. They, you know, I don't know about you. Again, going back to my boys, they were always trying to get out of holding my hand. Yeah, they were always like, their hands were constantly moving, trying to make, you know, get dislodged some way. And I remember this one time I was shopping and I wasn't really paying attention to where Char was when I saw this huge crowd gathered outside the store, looking in the store window and they're all laughing and it's getting bigger and bigger. And I'm thinking, wonder what's going on in the store window. And then I went to grab Char because Kristen was always right by my side and Char's gone. And sure enough, he was in the store window doing dances and singing and drawing a crowd. But you know, I would never go in a store window and do anything. But there he was, brash and bold. We are to be brash and bold. In fact, it tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 that we have bold entrance into the throne room of grace. Therefore, let us enter in boldly Boldly, not in the confidence of who we are, but in the confidence that what Jesus has done is so thorough, so perfect was his sacrifice that because Jesus is perfect, I have bold entrance. I was on an airplane when I was in my 30s and I was watching a movie called Shadowlands and I remembered that the airline stored flight attendant. I knew there was a new term for them. I'm trying to get used to, you know, this new era that I'm living in. He came up to me and he said, I heard that you guys were flooding the plane, my girlfriend and I. You know, you were crying so much during Shadowlands. I was like, well, I just love C.S. Lewis watching this movie. And And I just started kind of sharing the Lord with them. And he says, you know, I think that you are just so prideful to say that you are going to heaven. Nobody knows that. And he said, I would be totally prideful if I thought it was me or something I did. But if I'm going on the merit of Jesus Christ, and I am saying that he is absolute perfection, that his blood is absolutely so powerful and so effective that it was able to forgive and cleanse me of all my sins and give me a bold entrance into heaven, then it has nothing to do with me. In fact, it humbles me to the core and glorifies the Son of God. And he's like, well, that's an interesting way to look at it. <laughs> but faith is bold and brash in coming to Jesus. Those children... They knew they were wanted and they were accepted. They had absolute confidence in the goodness and love of Jesus, that they were wanted. They felt so safe with Jesus. Next, we see in the activity of faith that faith is devoted to Jesus in Luke 18, verses 18 through 30, we have this, um, if you put all the gospel of 
Matthew, Mark, and Luke together, you've got this rich, young ruler. He's earnest and he's moral. And he falls at Jesus' feet and he says, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now notice that the emphasis is on these two words, I do. And Jesus systematically showed this rich young ruler that his morality, his riches, his influence, his youth, all of his earthly advantages were actually disadvantages because the essential is faith. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? For there is none good but God. Jesus used the parable of the unjust judge and the persistent widow to teach us that we are to persevere in prayer and not lose heart. Faith helps us to wait and pray. We may grow impatient and be tempted to try alternatives or take the matter into our own hands, but faith holds fast to God's promises and trusts and entrusts to Him. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at how faith comes to God on the basis of mercy and not personal merit as we continue our Jesus Magnified study in the Gospel of Luke with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.